Welcome back to Expanding Circles. I'm your host, Jonathan Isaacson. In today's origin story, we feature our second firefighter turned English teacher. Apparently, it's a much more common transition than you might have expected. Our story today also features teacher training in China, partying too much in France, and a choice between Kazakhstan and Japan. I sat down and talked with the wonderful Miss Carrie Ann Moore. All right, everyone, welcome back. Today, my guest is Miss Carrie Ann Moore. Say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. <laughs> All right, Carrie Ann. So, where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Silverdale, Washington. Silverdale, Washington. Mm-hmm. What it's, part of the state is that? It's outside of Seattle by boat. So you take a ferry ride to Bainbridge Island, and then it's right there. Big place? Small place? I would say it's pretty small compared to most of my colleagues who are from these bigger cities, I think. Or the other podcasts who have been from Chicago and... Um, well, Daniel's from a pretty small town. Yeah. He's from a small town in Northern California, so... I would say it's mid-sized town. Okay. Then. Um, how was that growing up? It was good. Actually, I really liked growing up there because um, it was just close enough to Seattle that if I wanted to go see any bands that were playing or go shopping downtown, we could just take a ferry and then come back by the last ferry. And the last ferry's around like 12.55 or something. So Pretty late. It, pretty late. So you yeah. can still go out and have a good evening's f- worth of fun and then still get home. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. That's good. I imagine there were lots of good concerts to go to. There were. Since yeah, then. you could always get in. I remember um, one of the coolest ones I saw was Sarah Bareilles. Okay. And I went to see her for $12. Not bad. Before she was famous. Yeah. One of, one of my wife's favorites. She yeah. She really loves her. Because so, Seattle, I know, Seattle's really known for a big music scene. It is. Yeah. So. And, and it's kind of expanding throughout the Seattle area. So not just downtown, but venues outside of Seattle. But being where I lived, it was harder to get to those venues unless you were driving. All right, so grew up in outside, just outside Seattle, across the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you end up doing your undergraduate? I did my undergraduate in the east side of the state. It was Eastern Washington University, so that's in Spokane, if you've ever heard of that. Um, actually, not technically. It's a small town right outside of Spokane called Cheney. Called? Cheney. Cheney. Spelled like Cheney. Which but, a lot of people pronounce it that way, but um, yeah, locals say Cheney. It's one of those places. It is. <laughs> where everyone except the locals mispronounce it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, our sister school is kind of actually that way. Willamette? Most people in the eastern part of the U.S. call it uh, Willamette. Oh, I've heard people say that before. Well, yeah. the problem is it's using the French spelling. Mm. And so it looks like it should be Willamette. Yeah. This is it. So what did you study in undergrad? I studied French in undergrad. So you're another um, one of our Francophones. I am. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed studying French in middle school and high school. And uh, I worked really, really hard in high school. I thought I was going to go to an Ivy League school. That was kind of my goal. I wanted to be a, um, a lawyer for, like, labor rights or something to that extent. And um, I just couldn't afford any of the schools that I had wanted to go to. So this school ended up being the cheapest one that I got into. And then once I got there, um, I realized I didn't want to stop taking my French classes. I, I had taken them my first year as electives, and I, I didn't want to stop. So, did you, Was there any reason or just that uh, did you did you hope you would be able to use your French professionally or just you like speaking French? I didn't really have a plan. Um, I had a lot of AP credits from high school, and so I knew with a French degree I could graduate in two years, and I really hated the school that I was going to. So I wasn't thinking long-term. I was just thinking, I want to get out of here, move on, and this is the fastest, most fun way to do this. So. And were you able to get done in your two years? I was. Yeah. Very good, very good. And what did you do after you graduated with your degree in French? Well, that was the ultimate question my senior year as I'm, you know, preparing to graduate, thinking, oh no, now what? <laughs> um, and I ended up getting, I was a, a language assistant in a high school in a, a city outside of not really outside of anything. It's called Nantes. Where is this? It's in northwestern France. Actually, it's the sister city of Seattle. Okay, Seattle's sister city. Mm-hmm. Is this is it a big city? Medium-sized? I would say it's medium-sized city. Okay. Yeah. And how long did you do that? I only did that for one year. Um, yeah, and while I w- had been at school, I also did study abroad. So um, by that point, I had lived in France for almost two years. Okay. Yeah. So two years in France. Where did you do your study abroad? I did it in Nice. In Nice. France. Okay. Yeah. Which is that's southern France. It is right on the Mediterranean. It was Sounds absolutely nice. lovely. <laughs> Sounds nice. And so you go to what was the what was the city you did your uh, teaching assistant? Nantes. Nantes. Yeah. And how was that? Uh, it was great. Um, I realized at that time that I really liked teaching English. That was kind of the, the turning point in my life, um, where I kind of got some direction of what I wanted to do. Because I loved French so much that I knew if I taught French in the U.S., I would be genuinely hurt if my students didn't love French as much as I did. Whereas when I was teaching English, English is a language you need, whether you like it or not. And I could teach it. I felt comfortable teaching it. So um, it seemed to be a good compromise for me. Any exciting adventures while you were in France? Oh, of course. Yeah, nothing but exciting adventures. I. Um, had always been a really serious student, and then when I hit college, um, I became a little 
cynical about the whole system because uh, I had worked so hard in high school and I felt like my hard work didn't pay off because of money. It was something I couldn't control. And um, so I partied a little too hard in college and then that continued into my French teaching years. Um, So I was not the most responsible at that time and sometimes I would travel and I'd leave school late at night and then miss a train and then I'd end up spending the night in a train station or on the street. Um, Yeah, not always the most organized or responsible of travelers, especially as a young woman. But you learn from it. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely have and mature from it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you did your time as an assistant teacher in France, mm-hmm. come back to the States, and what do you do then? Um, so I had been sharing an apartment with this girl whose brother worked for the Forest Service, and she told me about how they always need women to work. And when I got back from France, I didn't really have a whole lot of money because I had traveled so much. When I lived in France, I would go to England for the weekend or go to Ireland for a long weekend, travel. I mean, if I had more time, I'd take the train all the way down to Spain and then Italy and then back up. Um, So I wasn't exactly saving money when I was in Europe. And I knew I needed to go to grad school in order to really teach English in this field. So I decided that I would join a fire crew for a little while because I heard that they make lots of money um, during the fire season. So I became a firefighter. You're our second firefighter on the podcast. (laughs) You and Cassie. Yeah. So did you do that for one season? I did. Yeah, that that one season. And then um, later in the year, once it was no longer fire season, I was a nanny that year. Okay, we'll come back to the nanny, but let's go. With the fi- <laughs> let's go. To, let's go back to the firefighting. Okay. Uh, where were you? The, where were you stationed as a firefighter? I was in Eastern Washington. Okay, actually. so you were in Eastern Washington. So yeah, right, kind of near the Canadian border. So a lot of times we'd work with um, crews from the reservations or crews from Canada. Um, and we see reservations like Indian reservations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you fight any big fires? I did. Yeah, my season, I think I fought over 40 fires. Most of them were small, um, but there was, there were a couple that were thousands of acres. Yeah. That's, that's big. Yeah. Did you have any uh, close calls or anything in, in your season? No, no. We were very safe. Very safe. This um, is good. Yeah. This is good. I, the biggest fire we fought on was only big because we burned back. Um, there was one building on this mountain that was burning, one structure. Mm-hmm. And in order to protect the structure, we had to back burn from it. Okay, so kind so. of control the fire with fire. Mm-hmm. So literally fighting fire with fire. With fire, exactly. No, it's a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. So these things have basis in reality. They do. Okay, so then, so you're a firefighter for one season. Mm-hmm. Good time? I loved it. And actually... Going into teaching, I thought that I would be able to keep up firefighting while teaching during the year and then spending summers firefighting. There was a guy on a different crew 
but who I'd talked to, and he was a, an elementary school teacher during the year and would spend his summer months firefighting. So I thought that's something that I was going to do. So you originally you thought you would be an English teacher in the States, mm-hmm. somewhere out in the West with forest fires, so you could do forest, fi- forest fire fighting in the summer and in teaching the summer. Mm-hmm. during the school year? Okay. That was the original plan. <laughs> Obviously changed, but... It did, it did. Okay, so you did your... And then you also said you were a nanny. I was. Yeah, I've had a lot of odd jobs throughout the years. I've heard some interesting stories from some of other my our other colleagues who have done nanny work at various times. Yeah. Any uh, interesting stories about your nanny time? Um, the ones I nannied for in Seattle were great. I had no problems with those families. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any funny stories. The kids were wonderful. Um, but when I was in grad school, I was a nanny for a family in California, and that was crazy. Um, they actually offered, because after grad school, I did the Peace Corps, and they knew that I was going off to do the Peace Corps, and they offered me a job if I would stay, and they laid out the salary. They told me that if I could, um, if I would stay with them, that I could use their vacation house in Hawaii. They were pulling out all the stops. Um, they obviously liked you. They did. Yeah, it was not mutual. <laughs> not the greatest employers? No. Yeah, they'd call me during class and expect me to come right away. And it would be something that they should have called maybe a doctor or an expert about, but they were calling me. That's unfortunate. It was very unfortunate. <laughs> but but your first nannying, nannying experience was a good one. It was. Okay. Yeah, both of the families were lovely. Well, good. And so you save up some money, mm-hmm. go on to grad school. I did. Where'd you do your master's? Uh, in Monterey, California. Monterey, California. What's What school? Uh, the When I first started going there, it had a name change. Okay. So when I first started going there, it was the Monterey... Institute of International Studies, I think. And it it became? And it became the Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think, have I heard of that before? I might have heard of that. I don't recall. Have you heard of Middlebury College in Vermont? I have heard of Middlebury College in Vermont. So we're the graduate school of that. But you're in California. But we're in California. Yes. Vermont and California are very far away. <laughs> they are. <laughs> How does that work? Well, it worked because we started out as just kind of sponsored by them, but their name wasn't in our name. It was just we were both language schools. We both specialized in very similar things. And it kind of became this collaboration. This, I think it had a lot to do with funding, um, probably. But, okay. yeah, we ended up combining, and then the name changed halfway through me getting my degree. <laughs> my experience with Middlebury College was actually through Ultimate Frisbee. Oh, Because they have a pretty, they have a fun, they're, like, they're, I don't know how much you know about Ultimate Frisbee. Not a whole lot. I know you throw the Frisbee, and someone tries to catch it with, 
without having it knocked out of the air. Right. More of the culture around the game that it's 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 a self-refereed sport. Uh. And there's a very convivial, happy attitude to most tournaments until you get to the really, really high levels. And then it's very competitive. And then it's very competitive. But okay. at, at like the more just average tournaments, and every spring break, our, my university spring break and, and Middlebury spring break was the same week. And we would go to the same big week-long tournament down in Savannah, Georgia. Mm. And they were one of the most fun teams to play against. And to just there were a bunch of really nice guys and girls. And it was just a, always a blast to play with them. And I think there was more than a little... Um, I mean, they're from, they're from Vermont. Okay. <laughs> I think you can, under, you can you get where I'm going with that. <laughs> they were very laid back? Is that what you Yes. Mean? Okay. Yes. yes. Um, and I don't think it was entirely... Personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had some assistance in their being laid back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So your, coll- your, your grad school becomes the Middlebury... Middlebury, one more time, Middlebury? Middlebury Institute of International Studies. Okay. At Monterey. At Monterey. And so you did that. Mm -hmm. And and that's when you have the uh, less than great nannying gig? I did, yeah. Because um, in order to qualify for on-campus jobs, I don't know what the process was for that, but I didn't qualify for any jobs. And so... Yeah, I had to find find financial help elsewhere. And since you'd had nannying experience, exactly, it made sense. And I had had such a good experience the first time. Um. <laughs> Sadly, the next this experience wasn't as good. It was not. I will probably avoid nannying for the rest of my life now, or be more selective in my choosing of families. Well, but now you've got your degree, so hopefully. Hopefully it never comes to that again, yeah. But it's a fallback. It's true. And so you do grad school, you get your MA, and you say, do you go next straight into the Peace Corps? So actually, I did a program called Peace Corps Masters International. So you do one year at the school, and then do Peace Corps for two years, 27 months, and then you go back to the school to finish your master's. So kind of a a back and forth deal. Um, and while you're in the Peace Corps, the idea is that you'll get your practicum work, you'll be able to complete a little of the coursework. Uh, so you're doing you're some standard Peace Corps stuff, but also some English teaching? So with the Peace Corps, everyone in China is an English teacher. So okay. um, like my normal job was that I would teach courses for students who were studying to be English teachers. And then my extra job, so you'd have to do summer work and then like secondary projects. And so during the summer, we'd do a teacher training in a village outside of where we were living. And then um, my secondary project, I had different ones, but for one, I edited a textbook. For another, I was an assistant editor for a journal. So just different activities helping my school in any way I can. And where in China were you? I was in Chongqing. Which is what part of China? It's kind of southwest China, near Sichuan. Okay. Good food? Very good food. I miss the food. That's one of of the areas of China that's the cuisine is well noted internationally. It is, yeah. Fairly spicy stuff. Very spicy, a lot of vegetables, 
Um, but I really like the diversity of food that you could find in China, even though it was all Chinese food, just from different provinces, there was a lot of diversity. Well, I mean, China's another one of those continent-sized countries that... Exactly. I mean, you go to the U.S. and say, okay, what's American food? <laughs> there is no such thing as American food. Right. It depends on where you live. Exactly. Yeah. And I imagine China must be the same. It is. And it was delicious. <laughs> I would love to someday get to mainland China and try mainland Chinese Chinese food. You should. I, I highly recommend it. I've done and Taiwan. try the north and then also be able to try the south. Again, I'm sure very different. Yeah. And which, again, would also be different because I've, I've gone to Taiwan. Mm. So I've had Taiwanese food, which is also very good, but I'm sure also very different. Yeah. I mean, I will see this vacation. Oh, I'm going, going to, to Taiwan. Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I enjoyed my trip to Taiwan. It was a lot of fun. Um, I made a loop of the island. Oh, nice. On your bike? Not on my bike. Oh, okay. I did it all by train. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a nice trip. I enjoyed it. Saw lots of interesting things. Yeah. Lots of good food. So... I'm looking forward to that food. <laughs> uh, it was good. Yeah. I actually liked, I don't, it may have just been the particular variety I tried, but I liked the stinky tofu. Oh, I like it too. I know, yeah. I know a lot of people don't, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so China for 27 months. Mm-hmm. Good food. Teaching English. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, that's where I decided I really wanted to teach university. Okay. Because in France, I had taught high school, <laughs> and it had been good. It had been a good experience. I mean, good enough for me to want to go into teaching. But uh, in China was where I realized, all right, I love teaching at this level. Any particular reason? Um, I liked that I could identify with the students a little more. Um, on a deeper level. I liked that we could talk about things that I couldn't talk about in high schools. Um, yeah, encouraging critical thinking, I think. Um, just being older and more developed, uh, it's easier to teach. It's more fun to teach. So in China, back to Monterey for your last year of your master's, yeah, it was actually only a few months. Okay, a few um, months. Yeah, I, I went back for August till December. And then my school in China, they really wanted me back. And so I ended up finishing that school year back in China. Okay. What is the uh, school year in China? It's same as America. Okay, so, so fall to same. fall. Yeah. Okay. And so you go back, you finish up the school year in China. Mm-hmm. And what do you do after that? Um, so during that semester, I had been applying for different positions. And I had applied to the English Language Fellow Program. And while I was in school in California for that last semester, uh, I had been kind of slowly pushed through this process because it's a really long application process for that program. Uh, And so I had gone through the first couple interviews, passed those, and was waiting for a country placement. And some people are never placed for a country placement. So of course I had been applying to other jobs as well. And the first jobs I heard back about were this job. I heard back on Friday. And then I had heard back about my English language fellow maybe the same day, 
but I was placed in Kazakhstan. So I had a, a hard decision to make. Was I going to go to Kazakhstan or Japan? And why not Kazakhstan? Why Japan? Well, I started looking up, um, first of all, the pay. That was a, a big thing. Um, with the other program, you're paid in U.S. dollars. And with this program, you're paid in yen. And so just comparing those two things. Um, also, considering U.S. taxes or medical or things like that, the, the benefits that go along with it. And with the other program, you're considered an independent contractor. And so you don't get a whole lot of benefits with that. Um, they will reimburse you for a lot of things, but you have to pay up front. So pay and up front, keep your receipts. Yes. Yeah, do a lot of paperwork later sort of thing. And I'm not that great with being organized or with a lot of paperwork. So that alone was enough to turn me off. But then I started looking at different things. Um, just the flights back to Seattle were minimum 19 hours, whereas from Japan it's like 10. Um, Would you fly through like China or fly through Korea? It was kind of halfway. Like it didn't matter if you flew through Russia or through Asia. It was long. Okay, so going up to kind of towards Moscow and yes. then across the Atlantic or... Yeah. Yeah, it was a long trip. Yeah, I don't even know how I would get to Kazakhstan. Yeah. I mean, I know where it is, but... <laughs> From I Japan, I think you would probably go through China or China through... or Korea, yeah. maybe. Because yeah. I, went, when I, I went to Mongolia, mm. which is I mean, next to Kazakhstan yeah. up there. But, and that, I flew through Seoul. Yeah. yeah. So I think... I think from here, yeah, it's from probably, here it's not bad, but yeah. from the states, <laughs> yeah, how would you get to Kazakhstan? It's all nineteen hours. Yeah, Oof. so that was that was a big deal because I have a boyfriend in the states, and so having that as a factor, you know, if if there was a long holiday, you know, a week or two, um, would I be able to go back feasibly f for even a shorter break like that? Um, that was a consideration. Sitting on the plane for 10 hours versus 19 hours. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a difference. Yeah. I, yeah. I would choose 10 hours if I could. Mm -hmm. And then also just looking at, at the school in and of itself, um, I liked that I could teach both Japanese students and international students. I liked that um, we worked on committees. I felt like there was a lot of um, professional challenges that I would have at this school that wasn't guaranteed at my other school um, or for the other position. So, I mean, that certainly is a, a unique aspect of this program because there's so many of us that we can do all these kind of larger scale things with all the committees. And yeah, I love that. So. Um, yeah, so Japan won out. Japan won out. And how have you found it so far? I've loved it. Yeah. Um, I get to say whether or not I want to continue working here at the end of this semester. And I'm... Leaning I'm, towards... 
I'm definitely going to if it's offered. So. Well, I imagine it will be. <laughs> Here's to hoping. I imagine it will be. So, presuming your recontract, mm -hmm. so you would stay for another two and a half, two years, whatever. Mm -hmm. How long do you see yourself out of the country, out of the U.S.? Well, after my next recontract, um, I will go back to get my Ph.D. That's the immediate goal. Um, if I can find a Ph.D. program that will completely fund me. That's important. It is. Like applied linguistics, TESOL type things? I've actually thought about going into more general education, um, okay. into teacher training. Well, yeah, because you said that's some of your time in um, Peace Corps. That was kind of what you were doing in China. Yeah, I loved working with the teachers during the summer. That was, well, even teaching my students who were going to be teachers, they would come back to me later on and ask me to help them with their lesson plans for other classes. And I liked helping teachers. So, Teachers yeah. helping teachers. That's, that's what I want to do. So do a PhD, hope funding permitted. <laughs> exactly. If not, I'll probably go back to the States for a while and be an adjunct or something like that. So your ultimate goal back in the U.S. ultimately, uh, or you're not you're open to the idea of permanent expat life? Not permanent expat life, but I definitely, I if I'm in one place for too long, I start to get a little antsy, and I need travel in my life. So, and and not just short travel, going on a vacation for one or two weeks. It doesn't satisfy me the same way as living somewhere, really getting to know it um, for a good couple of months at least. So something that affords you kind of long-term mm -hmm. travel options. Exactly. Yeah, and maybe I could be a specialist of some sort or um, there's always there's a, a position with Peace Corps called Peace Corps Response where if I have a long holiday, I would be able to then go work with a Peace Corps office somewhere being a specialist or filling in for maybe a volunteer who might have left their So it's country. kind of like being like a Peace Corps... Substitute. Substitute for Peace Corps. <laughs> I'm going to say on call, but... Yeah, 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 exactly. So being Peace Corps on call. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. That these All these different worlds that I don't know anything about having taken my path here so yeah lots of opportunities lots of opportunities lots of interesting stories and certainly I imagine if you do get into teacher training that would offer you a lot of options for going to all far-flung reaches of the earth I hope so and so as you say English is like it or not it's something that is needed everywhere it is in the world today since it has become the de facto lingua franca. Yeah, you're probably going to use English at some point if you're traveling. So. Yeah, or if you're an international business, mm -hmm. it's become the language to use. It's true. Kind of good job security for us. <laughs> it is. Mm -hmm. It is, certainly. Well, um, 
I think that's all the questions I have. All I've right. enjoyed this. Me too. It's been interesting finding out about Peace Corps in China and partying too hard in France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk more about those stories later. <laughs> we'll do that someday. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Jonathan Isaacson. It's only the fifth episode, but this is the end of the academic school year here in Japan, so things may get a little bit slow as we're ramping up for finals and then as we have a bit of a break. However, I do have a couple more episodes that are in the production pipeline right now, so keep your podcast feeds up to date. And hopefully those will be coming out relatively soon. And once this new school year starts, I hope to be able to get out more episodes at a faster clip. So I hope to see you all around and keep listening. Thanks. Thanks.